Welcome back to the next Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, your host. And if you're joining me for the first time in a while, I want you to know that we're using the month of September as a bridge to the 2020-2021 podcast series. So for this month only, we are diving back into the archives and airing our top five podcasts from last year in what we're calling a September to Remember Minnesota podcast. Twenty fifteen Cedar alumna Rachel Hartley was a nurse in Lynchburg, Virginia at the outset of the COVID nineteen pandemic. By mid April, she was working as an ICU nurse at Brooklyn Langone Hospital, serving exclusively COVID patients. But that's only part of her story. Rachel and her husband Taylor decided to sail in their boat thirty hours from the Chesapeake Bay to New York City because it was safer than flying. Listen to this week's September to Remember Cedarville Stories Minisode as Rachel Hartley shares with me her remarkable story of faith, hope, and love during the height of the COVID crisis in New York City. Really the meat of the story today, and that's why you are in New York City. You live, as we said, live in Lynchburg, Virginia. But at the time of this recording, you are serving as a nurse in New York City because of the coronavirus pandemic. What motivated you to take a 30-hour, I want to say that again, 30-hour boat trip from your home from the Chesapeake Bay to New York City? So Taylor and I love adventure. I mean, we, you know, we have a sailboat. We've kind of moved around the country. We just love to do things outside of the status quo. And, you know, we feel like the Lord has just placed that passion in our life to be flexible and to be able to mobilize easily and so that we can respond wherever he calls us. So it all started middle of March, you know, when COVID was really exploding in the States, especially in New York City. My place of employment in Lynchburg, things were kind of slowing down. And I know a lot of hospitals in the United States, it was a common thing. So I was working as the anesthesia pre-op nurse and we were canceling all of our elective surgeries, you know, just taking precautions for COVID to help reduce the spread. And so my job was slow. I was working only maybe half my normal hours, this and that. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of just sitting there like I'm a nurse and New York is being hammered right now, but like I'm not being utilized and I really want to help if I can. And I have, before I was in Virginia, um, I had three years of experience as an ICU nurse. So, you know, I, I, had, I had the training um, and the skills necessary to help where it was needed in New York. So it was something Taylor and I, we prayed about and, you know, spoke it over together. And while this was happening, the Lord is really just, he was confirming. I mean, it couldn't have been any more obvious that, you know, we had to go. I was getting calls and texts and emails from nursing recruiters, travel nursing recruiters specifically saying, we need help in New York. We have ICU contracts. We need help now. And then it was in the beginning of April when the governor of New York rescinded the need for nurses to have a New York state license to practice in the state. I've never seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. That just spoke to how critical the nature of things were here in the city. So when that happened, it was like, it just felt like God was like, okay, now's the time. So I reached out to a travel company, got in touch with my, my recruiter, Pat. He has been my point person throughout this whole process. 
And within 48 hours of just initially reaching out and saying, hey, you know, I'm interested. I had signed a contract in New York, was locked in. And then within a week, we set sail to come to the city. So it was a a really quick turnaround, you know, about a week and a half from saying, hmm, maybe I want to do this to, oh, we're in the Big Apple. Here we are. So it was such a whirlwind to get here. So how long of a contract did you sign to be in New York City? It's a two-month contract. So I started mid-April, so I'll be done early June. And it's kind of one of those things where we don't know exactly what's going to happen. You know, every day, the nature of this pandemic is changing. So when my contract is up, I definitely will see if they still need help, if they want to extend my contract or, or me, you know, me go somewhere else in the country that needs help. How does your real employer handle this? Don't they need you back in Lynchburg? No, that, that was the unfortunate thing. I loved my job and my coworkers and whatnot. And, you know, my direct coworkers were extremely supportive and my manager have been fabulous throughout the process. But the, the company at large wouldn't give me a leave or a furlough necessarily long enough. So I had to quit, oh. you know, and they, they let me quit in good standing, which, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for that because I know it's actually a big issue and in, in my roommate is directly affected across, across the country. Nurses that have gone to help with COVID in the city have been um, charged with hospital abandonment from their old jobs. There, there's actually a lot of, you know, really disgraceful things happening. I fortunately did not have to deal with that, but I did have to quit. So, you know, I, I don't have a job to go back to. In my situation in particular, though, you know, I'm almost done with graduate school. So I'm, you know, fortunate enough to be able to finish that out and, you know, Lord willing, get a nurse practitioner job shortly after, hopefully. So, sure. So, for, for your role in New York City, and we'll get to the specifics of that in a minute, are you a paid employee or are you just volunteering? I'm a paid employee. Yeah. Yeah. Paid and contracted. Mm -hmm. Okay. What specifically are you doing in your job now in New York City? Yes. So I am an intensive care nurse. I am working night shift. It's a really different role, I think, than a normal intensive care nurse would take on just because the nature of the hospital, the one that I'm in, they normally have 26 intensive care beds. With the pandemic at their height, they had over 100 intensive care beds. So, so basically that means you're going into the hospital and what is supposed to be a med search floor, you know, where patients aren't that sick or a recovery room from the operating room, it's been transformed into an intensive care unit just because of the demand and the overflow. So, you know, I'm working in these areas that are not ICUs. They've just been jerry-rigged and... They've transformed into negative pressure rooms. You know, we have a lot of the the rooms have two patients in one room, which is highly unusual for an intensive care unit. I've never worked in a place like that before. So yeah, so I'm I'm caring for these patients. You know, the nurses are the ones that are with patients the most. So, you know, we're with them the entire 12 hours doing everything, everything for them from their medications, just to their, their hygiene, their care assessments, everything. So I'm sure that you have a lot of stories that you could share. You've seen a lot of things, maybe some positive things, probably a lot of negative things. Can you share with our, with our listeners, maybe something that you've seen that, that uh, has been surprising or interesting to you? Yeah. Something really surprising, especially when I first got there was just kind of seeing the the patient population, you know, going into this, obviously I know is going to take care of COVID patients, 
but really getting there and seeing how young a lot of these people were. And when I say young, I mean, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, you know, people that otherwise shouldn't be in the ICU. And a lot of these people also didn't have any other health conditions before they got COVID. Of course, you know, there are some older people and some people that had conditions that were sick beforehand, but a lot of them weren't. So that surprised me, you know, and it, it's really sobering also to think like this disease can affect anybody and it can destroy anybody also. Yeah, I know. Earlier you talked about um, God's providence and protection, you know, uh, on your trip and, and what you're doing. What has been your thought? Because I, I've read a story uh, about your experience already where mm -hmm. I believe from where you um, dock your sailboat, which is in a, in a harbor, and the Lord took care of that uh, in a great way, too. You may want to share that. But yeah. but but going to work, if I read it correctly, you've walked by large trailers, which aren't yes. just trailers. They're actually makeshift morgues, right? Yes. What's that like to you? What, what's your reaction? And how do you react to that, respond to that? I hate that. I, when we first got to the city, we heard of that going on. And they're in, for my hospital, they're right outside the main entrance, actually. So it's, it's not even in a place that can be hidden. Um, there's, yeah, right now there's three big tractor trailers that are morgues. In the height of things, they actually like the morgue in the hospital was full. All three trailers were full. They had to transform the hallways that connected to the trailers in the hospital. They had to refrigerate just the hallways because there were so many corpses that they had to store there. So it, it it's just, it's really sad to have to walk by that and see. And it, for me, you know, I see that every time I go in and every time I leave the hospital and it's sobering and it just helps me get a good perspective of what's going on and just, you know, really to take things seriously. Obviously I, I have to. And also it, it just gives me a thankfulness to the Lord of just for my personal health and the ability to be here and to help out and just use the skills and the training that, you know, the Lord has equipped me with because it's, it's like, wow, they, they need help. I mean, looking at this, we've never seen anything like it. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.